0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of Talking Talent. I'm Nicole Fouqua. You're listening to our audio series where we dig into issues related to talent acquisition and workforce management. Today's podcast is part of our ongoing COVID-19 series. As organizations around the globe confront the challenges presented by the coronavirus outbreak, even the most seasoned talent leaders find themselves in uncharted territory. Months into the pandemic, we still face rising cases around the globe and continued uncertainty. However, for many organizations, it is important to keep the talent acquisition and workforce management function moving. In that spirit today we're sharing a conversation about how a structured approach to contingent labor can ensure business continuity during a crisis. This podcast is a recording of a Talking Talent webinar. Our three panelists joined to talk about the Waffle House Index and how the concept can be applied to contingent labor. In a hurricane, tornado or any catastrophic event across the American South, the Waffle House is one of the last or only businesses that remains open. The concept is so famous that FEMA has used the Waffle House Index for the last decade when assessing the severity of storms. So how does the restaurant chain do it? And how can you replicate that idea? Listen now as our panelists weigh in. Now I'd like to take a moment to introduce our panelists. First is Jen Torres, Senior Vice President of Client Delivery at PeopleScout. Jen has more than 14 years of experience as a partner to Fortune 100 companies seeking managed workforce solutions. Her creativity and innovation helped some of the country's largest financial and technology institutions launch and develop workforce operations into industry leading programs. She's known for her passion for people and excellence in leading custom workforce solutions with an emphasis on customer service. Jen is personally passionate about involvement in volunteerism with diversity networks and disability affinity groups that have a greater positive impact on the communities they operate in. Jen is joining us from today from her home in Asheville, North Carolina. Jen, thanks for joining.
1: Thank you, Nicole.
0: Next is David Corrigan. David is our business development manager at PeopleScout. David has more than 12 years of strategic sales experience across the talent landscape of workforce solutions, enterprise technology, and advisory services. David maintains a deep understanding of industry trends, best practices and business acumen. This foundational knowledge enables him to become a trusted advisor to his clients and deliver a high touch and relationship centered experience. He takes a programmatic approach to identify, develop and execute sales strategies, ensuring a measurable and accountable sales process. David is originally from Manchester, England, but he's joining us today from Parkland, Florida. David, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Nicole. Finally, joining us is Nikki Chip Floor, Vice President of Strategic Accounts at PeopleReady. With over 25 years of experience in staffing and employment-related fields, Nikki joined PeopleReady as Vice President of Strategic Accounts in February of 2019. In this position, Nikki oversees growth, strategy, and operations of PeopleReady's national accounts. Nikki brings expertise in crafting and leading solutions for national and multiple unit, high volume staffing accounts. In addition to staffing, Nikki has worked in vendor management and managed and outsourced services, overseeing multiple SOWs and accounts. She has worked in various roles in her career from recruitment and onsite management to multi-state and national leadership positions. Nikki is joining us today from San Diego, California. Nikki, thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you very much, Nicole.
0: All right, so let's get started. So our first question is just, Giving some background on the idea of the Waffle House Index. So what is the Waffle House Index, and how does it relate to our discussion today about business continuity and contingent labor? When we look at the Waffle House Index, this is how a Waffle House operates to determine the overall severity of disasters. It also helps determine the kind of role that contingent labor will play pre, during, and post-disaster. Now, Jen, I know that you live in a state with quite a few Waffle Houses, so I'll let you kick us off.
2: (laughs) Thanks, Nicole. And yes, I do. If uh, anyone has visited or lives in the southeastern part of the United States, you're very familiar with the Waffle House, Uh, mostly because it is always a diner-type setting that is open 24-7 in most parts. Uh, but also it tends to be open even when nothing else is open. So when we thought about a business model that reflects the world that we're in today from a you know post uh, or mid COVID-19 perspective, we thought that the Waffle Health Index and the fact that they have a very simple approach to quickly identifying what areas can remain open, uh, they also have the ability to flex which one of their stores can take over for maybe other areas that are not able to be open due to a catastrophic event we thought that you know taking a look at what they do is really relevant to what we're seeing in our customers Um, i believe that uh, as it applies to our msp clients the biggest challenge during the time of covid was really the planning piece and really where the waffle house got it right is they planned early and they revisit that plan often and they enact that plan um, as far as the test for all of their locations on a frequent basis. So regardless of whether they're um, going through an emergency or not, it's something that they are always planning for, always doing testing on. So therefore, when it actually does happen and it isn't a drill anymore, uh, they are ready and they're ready to act and they know what to do. So, you know, I think that's the biggest thing that you know, I saw within our MSC operations um, was that many of our clients were engaging us as a partner to really do a couple different themes of work. One was emergency outreach protocols. So, um, a lot of our clients pre-COVID didn't have a lot of cross-lateral communication between their different divisions and their workforce. So, through COVID and knowing that there could be multiple sites or Uh, potentially multiple regions or associated workforce living in that region that may be impacted, there was a huge need for an emergency contact outreach as well as tracking employees and ensuring that they are safe and able to come to work. Um, In addition to that, they were um, forced to look at a continuity plan on the fly, if you will. So because they didn't have that planning and that foresight ahead of time, when one of their facilities or one of their offices was no longer operable because of covid and uh, therefore they weren't able to continue business operations in one particular location they didn't really have a plan for another location to pick up that work or another location to be that backup support for them in a short amount of time so how I kind of tie this back to our client base is really relevant. Uh, our recommendation as an MFP partner is to plan early, plan often, uh, go through those plans, figure out your plan B's and C's and D's. So how will your business continue if uh, not just one of your offices but multiple offices are shut down at the same time? And then make sure that your employee workforce, you have that open line of communication with them and you are able to communicate on um, the rapid succession, if you will, should something like a catastrophic event occur. So this is really my perspective from an MSP or managed service provider perspective, but I know, Nikki, you and I have chatted quite a bit about how this really impacts the agency side or the supplier side, as you guys are the employers of the contingent labor. So would you care to elaborate on what you're seeing on your side?
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Jen, I really appreciate that. Um, so, uh, contingent labor plays in, an in our clients' teams in dealing with disasters. In addition to helping our clients meet an unanticipated demands for qualified workers, we also bring expertise in to ensure all of their goals are met, obviously safely, reliably, and on time. An example of this, so for contingent labor would be, most recently, there, the hurricane, they're still going in the Southeast. Based on our years of experience, People Ready has a well-prepared and robust um, business continuity plan that allows us to help our customers through strikes. We are able to step in when others are unable to and provide a way for businesses to get the work done. Um, because of our uh, 30 plus years of experience, we work specifically with customers in, in many different capacities, and one of them is specifically um, in, in disaster. And because of that, we have a, a very robust internal
2: continuity
1: plan where when um, we are also not able to have um, offices open, we have a, um, a direct line for other offices and centralization for that our clients are met at any at any place at any time. David, do you have anything that you want to add from a market perspective?
3: Yeah, thanks, Nikki. I I think as we look at the uh, Waffle House index, I think a couple of things. One, it's (coughs) simple and it's measurable. And if we think of business continuity, it has to be straightforward to be actionable. And you need to be able to measure uh, where are you in a business to put some part of that plan in place. So for example, Waffle House, it's green if if they're at full operational level, yellow if it's limited menu, red if it's closed. So if we think about the market and we think about uh, access to labor, are we able to uh, what we're seeing in the market and what we're seeing from clients is a, you know, what was the impact of the uh, of being able to measure how much labor do they need? You know, what were the competing um, other organizations competing for that labor and then being able to take the lessons learned and being able to integrate that back into their business plans moving forward. So I think if we take anything away from Waffle House, it's really Uh, being a a very straightforward, simple approach, measurable, and being able to learn lessons from it and, and take that continuing process improvement through to your business continuity. Nikki.
0: Thank you. So moving on to our next question, what would you say is the role of contingent labor during a crisis? And how has your perception changed over the past six, to nine months. Nikki, did you want to get us started off from a contingent labor perspective?
1: Um, contingent labor plays a crucial role in a crisis, from helping on the front lines to helping businesses adapt to new climates. We're ready to help at a moment's notice and are nimble in a way that other permanent workforces aren't and this quite frankly can't be. Specifically, over the last six months, we have a across our entire business enterprise. So that makes us able to sustain our rapid response while keeping people safe in the front lines. It's to assist in staffing needs and to help our clients plan during a crisis based on our expertise and having staffed um, crises and quite frankly, all sizes over um, the past quarter of a century, ready for 30 plus years. People Ready um, actually brings quite an added value besides just being able to provide qualified workers. Um, our team takes communication very, very seriously and finds the appropriate opportunity to outreach to our clients and temporary workers. To we also geopersonalize our website so visitors that come to our website get impacted geographically and understand how our response situation and access is right away. That's really critical in a crisis, that communication is nimble, quick, and are able to get the right people at the right time. Okay. Strikes, our local branch team and readiness response team um, then will be prepared and are prepared with the necessary protocols and signage to allow our branch to continue to function even when it's physically impacted by the disaster. This allows us to take immediate action by recruiting necessary talent to address our customers' needs and help these. most important with a faster recovery. Contingent labor has also been a safety net to people and families across the nation who have lost jobs, been furloughed needing additional income. Our mission of connecting people and work is making a real difference to people and companies right now. We have multiple across the country of how we have assisted families with shelter, transportation, and work. In a crisis, people just simply don't always understand their resources, and we have found it a great need to help them identify these and provide the assistance in accessing, accessing these resources. David, what are your thoughts about that?
3: Yeah, I agree. I I think one of the things that we've learned over the last six months is really the human impact of this. I think organizations, as they look at moving, you know, putting their plans in place at the start of the pandemic, um, they've really understood more and more that Again, each of these employees really, they, they have their families to go home to, they're putting themselves at risk, especially at the start of this pandemic when we didn't know, you know, what were the impacts, how were we able to protect ourselves. I think there was a recent uh, survey out from Marshall McLellan that said nine out of 10 contingent workers uh, were concerned about the impact their job had on their families and whether they needed to self uh you know shield and a lot of the time what we find and again if we think about the uh where we saw the peak in contingent labor which was distribution warehousing all those goods that helped us both stay at home and work from home Um those are people who had to probably get there by public transport they were able to they had to go and work within you know close confinement of of, of co-workers so as we work with organizations they've been thinking more and more about the health and safety aspect and the impact that that has and not just about hey can we get this uh, you know can we get widget a from a to b and can we carry on moving forward as a business i think one of the big takeaways that i've taken from the past nine months has really been the the humanization of contingent labor and not thinking of it as a commodity but thinking as a key piece of their business go forward strategy but also there was a, a name, a face, and a family behind those people, and I think that was a big takeaway from that humanization of contingent labor. Jen?
2: Yeah, I couldn't agree more uh, with your point there, David, as well as Nikki, what you brought forward as far as what we're seeing in the contingent space. You know, at PeopleScout, we have the unique opportunity within our managed service programs to really have a view into the entire enterprise for our clients. So there's a lot of our clients don't, I think historically have cross lateral communication, change management, processes, etc. So a lot of this was very uh, prevalent and uh, was almost a, a major hurdle for most of our clients coming into COVID because, you know, from, There were a lot of things that were relatively the same through COVID, and then there were a lot of things that were materially different. So client expectations were the same in the fact that they still had a job to do. Um, Roughly 90% of our clients from an MSP perspective were labeled as essential businesses. So they continued to remain open. Therefore there was still work to be done um, and they had the same expectations around risk governance, safety, et cetera. But what was different was the timeline. And the timeline was uh was elevated and it was escalated mostly because uh, certain pockets, depending on where COVID was, you know, particularly uh intense, if you will, or where there were more instances those facilities were almost inoperable and therefore it was creating more pressure on all of the other facilities or the other offices in support of that so we were seeing a uh, quick ramp down and uh, quick volume spikes as well in a very short amount of time when normally we would see that extrapolated across a uh, typically 6 to 8 week time frame we were seeing that in a 2 to 3 week time frame so you know from a time expectation standpoint, I think that was a big difference that we saw. A lot of the timelines have been um, expedited exponentially. And then uh, to what you were saying, David, around the human element of it, there was just a lot more uh, behavioral things that kind of came into the workforce during this time. So one is, Emotional well-being obviously of workers that we're bringing in to there were a lot of different economic variables. So with unemployment and the offerings that were out there that really uh, put a new spin on how companies incentivize people to come to work during this time When people were legitimately concerned about their safety and their health um, and even though uh, the pandemic was very hard on some of our clients financially even through those tough conversations that they were having with us, it was clear that they were trying to do the right thing by their people, and that was a priority. So, instead of seeing a lot of exits from the organization, typically you saw more temporary actions within uh, a certain labor type. So, that could be furloughs, it could be pay reductions, et cetera. So, um, the pandemic, you know, hopefully we'll never see another one in our lifetime, Uh, but I think A lot of the lessons learned that our clients have uh, kind of coming out the other side of the peak here in the U.S., if you will, was around the planning piece, which we just described, but also around how do we treat our people well and support them as their employer through this, but then also how do we become more nimble and agile, as Nikki was saying, and how do we expedite what we're doing in a different way.
0: Thank you, Jen. So with the challenges of 2020, how have contingent labor programs responded to reduce risk and to keep business moving? David, do you want to start us off on what you've seen in the market?
3: Yeah, um, it's a pleasure to. So a couple of things stand out, really. I think Jem will laugh at this, but it's we, we had one client who came back and said, hey, I don't want to talk about rate cards anymore. Can you tell me how we open up a, a facility offshore within 24 hours if, a plan, if we have a, have a critical shutdown? So I think what we're seeing more and more is organizations are thinking about redundancies. If you think about the redundancy model within safety, they're putting um, – they're, they're putting these redundancies within their process. Let's ensure that we have a uh, you know access to the right workers. Does our program today stand up? What happens if these scenarios hit this certain area? Do we have a bench of suppliers after that to be able to provide that? What's it going to take to move these uh, you know this business process across the country? So again, as we think about business continuity, we think about um, this is not a procurement or a commodity. Uh, kind of approach anymore this is about hey how do how does uh, you know quick change and uncertainty that 's prolonged and is not isolated going to impact my business, and what 's the investment that I need to make into being able to model the right scenarios to ensure that we stay uh, you know we stay. Ahead of our competition and maintain, you know, the right priorities. So I think, as as I take a step back after kind of nine months of working through this with with clients, I'm kind of uh, it, it's where we've always wanted. As I think, as a provider, we wanted the, our our partners, uh, our corporate organisations, to be thinking not just thinking about this tactically, you know, what's next, what's next, but how are we how are we learning lessons, how are we thinking about, uh, you know, moving forward. Uh, but how are we also building out that resiliency? And and I think there's a sea change and I'd love Jen's perspective on the clients looking to us to guide them through that, as opposed to them telling us what we can and can't do, or I need this lower price to be able to get this, you know, approved. Jen, how, how, how's that change? You know, your kind of viewpoint with the, the clients and Nikki as well.
2: Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think if if there's a phrase that can encapsulate the last nine months is we don't know, we don't know. Um, there was just so much unpredictable uh, variables that were happening. I mean, there's just not a lot out there because COVID is so new. So it was hard to really ascertain when things were going to turn. Um, and I think as a result, many of our clients were looking to us for answers. You know, how, um, what are you seeing in other clients? And I think the biggest value add we provided to our clients during this time was just information because it is, there's not a playbook on this. And uh, there, this was a really hard time. It still is, you know, it, it's hard for me to say it's in the past because it's definitely still very present. But, you know, I, I think um, to what you're saying, clients really just needed advice and they needed information and they needed to feel like they weren't the only organizations going through this. Um, And the workers needed to feel that way too. And, you know, I think from a client perspective, when we think about risk, this this risk and safety um, guarantee, if you will, that a lot of clients like to pride themselves in having for their workforce, it was really hard to provide that anymore because it was so many unknowns. Um, A lot of companies pulled back to mostly virtual and then even thinking about opening back up or what facilities within their organization should be open and what impact that would have from a health and safety perspective. Uh, I know we worked on this, Nikki, but there was a, there was an emergence of kind of COVID specific niche, niche type skill sets that were coming out as clients were trying to make the best decision about their workforce and, and the exposure level. So things like temperature takers and contact tracers. I mean, these are things that nine months ago we would have never even thought would be something to have incorporated in our environments, as well as medical staff. So a lot of temporary medical facilities were coming onto the scene of COVID testing centers and trying to have that pop up, you know, in 24 hours and be decommissioned in 24 hours. I mean, it was just a whole other level of um, uncharted territory that we're looking at. And then, you know, I I wouldn't say that it changed. There was never a decrement to the appetite of risk. It was the same level or more. So, um, you know, when we were working with our clients, it was never about how do we get folks in as quickly as possible. It was, well, we need to make sure everyone's safe. We need to make sure that we still are operating under the same risk tolerance and operational governance, but we need to do it faster. And we want to give our employees, which includes our temp workers, the ability to feel comfort that we're taking every measurement possible to ensure their health and safety. So um, to your point, the narrative has completely changed with our existing clients and new prospects. They care more about our continuity, our resiliency. Um, They care a lot about our scalability. And agility, but they also care about our advice and our experience, and what information we can give to them about what o- other organizations are doing to rebound, but also recuperate, so um, and continue to have a very healthy environment, no matter uh, what catastrophic event may happen, which could be weather events. That you know, there's a there's a culmination of many different things that that unfortunately we're dealing with in 2020. So, Nikki, what are your thoughts? I know that you've helped us a lot on some of these niche initiatives.
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, This is such an important topic. Uh, We tackle this continually. Like you said, it's still alive, you know, and and, and going every single day. And our customers are uh, looking to us. What our experiences are with other customers, what they're going through. You know, as you said, Jennifer, um, and, and David, uh, the, the way that our customers are looking at that is differently you know than, um, than potentially you know nine months ago or, or longer. Um, of course, um, always wanting us to consult with them just in a different way to specifically our workers as well. And you know, we look at both our clients and our workforce as our customers. And we need to do our job and it's our responsibility to make sure that we um, help our customers um, get their businesses, keep them moving forward. And um, help reduce risk at the same time. And reducing risk today, couple months ago. Um, of course, we need to make sure that our workers are in the safest possible working environment as we always have. In addition, you know, to taking the um, need to with COVID through a PPE and, and different levels of protection and, and communication, you know, that we had, um, you know, previously or didn't need previously. Um, so, uh, you know, with that, and I'm going to say it again. Effective and consistent communication is just key to making sure that we are managing this well with our customers and with our workforce and having everyone feel good about the work that's being done. And so as we've seen like just in the workforce in general, the contingent is absolutely critical through the pandemic. Um, as you know example, um, Jennifer, you mentioned in some of these already, we help keep workplaces sanitized waste removal, we do a lot of that, Um, production lines moving, shelves stocked, you know, local grocery stores and pharmacies, Um, you know, keeping these businesses moving um, with flexibility, which is really important for them in an uncertain economy. Um, um, You also mentioned this too, that the temporary employees are taking temperatures, you know, as this is reopening and keeping hospitals sanitized. We're also working with clients to help produce um, COVID test kits. So there's a variety of things that our contingent workforce are doing that maybe not everyone is Keep these businesses moving forward, and quite frankly, keeping communities and our nation safe. Um, we specifically have a core focus on the employees. It is so critical that we, as an employer, take that responsibility along with our clients to make sure that we have a safe work environment and people feeling like they can go back to work in an environment that's going to help keep them safe and also help produce for our um, for our economy. So that's um, incredibly important. And we've taken this very seriously. And I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about this because, um, seriously, here today, um, several months later, different. But I'm um, very happy to be working with my customers, and I get lots of questions on a daily basis on how they can be most effective with, um, you know, insecurity and making people feel really good about coming back to work. And um, that is a little bit of a different conversation, you know, that we might have had historically. And it's a really great conversation that I'm not happy about the reason that we're having this conversation, but really happy that we can be a part of the conversation of helping move our economy forward.
0: Thank you. So I want to go back to a word that David used at the beginning of his answer here, and that was resiliency. So how would you say a structured contingent labor program builds resiliency into your business for the challenges that lie ahead. Jen, do you wanna get us kicked off here?
2: Sure. So as I mentioned, a lot of our clients within People Scout, roughly 90% were essential businesses. So the resiliency factor as well as the creative factor was critically important during uh, the time that we're in right now, as well as going forward. I think if anything, um, our clients, you know, they need to be a lot more creative of what to do in the moment, what to do if an emergency happens, um, what to do and what if, you know, it's it's really asking yourselves, what if this fails? And then going through what that looks like and then asking at the end of that plan, what if this fails? And then going through that plan and making sure everyone in your organization is aware of what that plan is. And almost having a true north, if you will. So, you know, how do we communicate with people? What are our plans, A, B, C, and D? How do we, um, what does success look like in those plans? So, you know, success could look like all employees are accounted for and safe, and we were able to communicate with them within 24 hours. Success could also look like um, we had, it, we'll just use an example of a manufacturing and food services client that we have. Uh, they actually had cross training on all of their production sites so that if a particular, a particular function goes down within one facility, they have 10 other sites that can pick it up on a moment's notice. And they have a communication between the operations managers of those sites so that they can quickly let someone know if the facility is inoperable and how to transition the production. Now, success for them obviously means that production will be lower, but they have a target of, if we can at least produce at a, only losing 30% of our productivity in that, that is our true north, that is our expectation. Um, for a corporate client, it could be uh, just making sure that um, success for them is, how do we support our employees in a virtual work environment yet keep them engaged and help them with their personal well-being? So uh, there's there's kind of an emergence of this. Um, it's not a new thought, but it's certainly becoming more prevalent in the workplace around emotional wellness and making sure that clients are in a, this new virtual environment. How are they engaging people that are normally used to going into an office combat this feeling of isolation or feeling of stress or feeling of loss of a job um, those may not be real actions that are getting ready to happen but these are real stressors with the workforce and you know how do you engage your employees in a different way to make them feel supported uh, many uh, employees as well are now caregivers at home this could be for children it could be for parents it could be for a loved one and it's how do you support them in a flexible way so they feel supported through this and they feel like they can be productive, but also you have something that you're offering them that helps them with their emotional well-being or helps them get through the day because they have added more stress at home. So there's a lot of different things that can go into resiliency, uh, but what I think is important about this particular question is, yes, obviously you need to have a plan from a labor perspective, but there's all these other variables that kind of touch on it, on the outer rim, if you will, of things that you can do to have a more resilient company culture, a more resilient uh, client in productivity, um, as well as just being able to bounce back when emergencies happen, because they will happen, um, and just making sure that, you know, you're kind of embracing all these uh, very tough variables that we're going through right now with COVID by using some lessons learned. And also, having some creative ideas on how to address it, I mean, I think that's the the biggest thing that a lot of our clients um, really struggled with initially was this being paralyzed. Uh, I had a client tell me that word this morning you know when I was asking about how she was doing, how the business was doing. this particular client uh, did a lot of events management, so large events, so obviously their business has been impacted over sixty percent. and uh, when I was asking her. How her mindset had evolved over time. She told me, well, we were paralyzed at first and coming out of that, we really lacked creative thought. And I thought that was a really good observation because a lot of our clients really struggled with that too. They were trying to process what was happening around them, what was happening in their homes, what was happening at work. And then on top of that, they're trying to figure out how they can continue to rebound and be resilient. So my advice is, um, if you don't have kind of a, a group that can creatively think about what to do when the unexpected happens, then engage a partner like a People Scout or a People Ready, and we can help share information with you around what others are doing and what we have seen to be successful and what we have seen as uh, something that maybe was a little bit slower uh, to build up resiliency and, and rebound. So um, those are just a, a few of my key observations. Um, Nikki, I know we have a lot of mutual clients um, that we have talked to and, and tried to help guide in how they rebound mm-hmm. uh, from this particular Uh, 2020 year, I hate to say it's just the pandemic because there's lots of different things that have happened, but um, what are some of the things that your clients are doing around resiliency?
1: So, um, we've also had, as you know, a lot of similar conversations with our clients, how they can bounce back, um, what uh, different levers they can pull, and um, organizations they might be able to uh, utilize, and how they can just simply work differently order to move their business forward and so um from a specifically from a contingent labor standpoint um in terms of helping customers um be able to oh, really with uh, the business um even in let's call it normal times you know uh, customers they ramp up they ramp down they have um there's their seasonality to it so those that has to be built in to come to a customer's um normal practice to begin with. And I think the opportunity that customers have in leveraging um, contingent labor, quite frankly, the experience that we have in working with multiple customers across multiple industries and being able to leverage the information and share it among our customers so that they too can get that that same level of experience without having to do it themselves um, in in some cases. And so um, specifically um, in, in today's world, you know, we've been able, you know, from a contingent labor standpoint and help flex up and flex down, you know, with customers um, in the, quite frankly, month to month, even week to week uncertainty that some of our customers have had and help them be um, moving forward in the word of today, unprecedented um, circumstances, right? And so um, as, you know, we see customers typically add temporary workers back to their staff before, you know, permanent um, before permanent staff, and then of course uh, the opposite, um, temporary staff will then be let go when they no longer needed that contingent labor, um, when their their time is, let's call it down, if you will. So as an example, we have a lot of clients that are, or they're project-based. And when they build contingent labor into their model, it makes them more resilient. So as an example right now, with um, a lot of clients, that have projects. They need to have um, people work in the front lines to be able to assist consumers with, quite frankly, with everyday shopping needs. But they also to leverage um, temporary staff to adapt the, biz- the business operations as they are evolving and changing and moving forward. So we're able to pick up where the staff necessarily um, and then be also be able to pick up for them you know, for the holidays in the front end when they need to leverage people when there's a, an increase in retail business you know, during the holidays. So we've been able to work very strategically in a longer period of time than we had historically with some of these retail customers um, to be able to assist them, if you will, in, in the background and the front um, when the holiday season starts. So the, the honor that um, I think we all have in being in this space, is really being able to um, help people who need work, you know, to customers who need people to work for them at specific times and being able to, to do that really good match. Um, and then also having that allow us to keep people working in multiple industries as well. So that's one of the, the great things I know that, you know, some of our workers have said about working with a company like ours. We are able to then keep them working, um, you know, through different time periods. So, David, what else do you have uh, in closing? You'll be our closer
3: here. Thanks, Nikki. And thanks, Jen. So I want to pick up a couple of words I, that I think Jen mentioned, there, which is creativity and creative thinking. I also want to add in there uh, imagination as well. I think what we've learned the last nine months is really what we've been talking to clients about for probably the last five years, which is let's reimagine the way we think about labor today. Let's think about, you know, not, these people are gonna be with us for 30 years. Let's think about the work that needs to be done. Who's gonna bring value to your organization and how do you give them both the support development and again, the, the human. think of them from a human standpoint while they're with your organization. And if you just think about kind of the change we've been through with COVID, if you think of the, the speed of digitalization, and I, I worked with organizations working with them, uh, helping them uh, select learning management systems, the length of time it used to take the technology to be bought and then, in, you know, installed and integrated. And you think of how many organizations went online within what, two weeks. So we now know that, you know, organizations don't like the imagination to actually take these big initiatives forward. They just need to have a focus of the reason why they do it and a common purpose. And I think that's what I'm going to take away from the last kind of nine months. So as I think about contingent labor, as I think about kind of the way that we work today, uh, I think there was a Gartner study that said 37% of full-time positions are now being replaced by contingent labor uh, because people are knowing, you know, how do we get that work done quickly? How do we look at these people whose careers are going to be, you know, A bunch of assignments versus a career with one or two organizations how are we going to capture that workforce i know that we spent a lot of time as we think about resiliency with our our clients looking at tight labor markets before december we had a really tight labor market come march so we had to guide them through. They had to be imaginative. They saw the way that we've been talking about the way they think about to Nikki's point about people on assignments, about people, you know, who 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 are able to come in to to move their business forward. They saw the value in that. And I think what we need to be able to do is take the opportunity of not just the fact that, hey, COVID's going to build resiliency within our the way we think about our uh, the way we think about business continuity when it comes to labor, but also the opportunity to expand. If there's new market opportunities, if there's opportunities to rationalize, you know, around certain areas, they can do it quickly. They want to fail forward, fail fast, learn from it, and then be better for that experience. And I think that's the other thing is the fact that people are, I think, I think Jen mentioned this, we're all having to live our lives very differently. And I think that people are thinking about their approach to to business that way as well. So again, they're willing to, 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 to try, drive some imagination, uh, you know, make a, make a bold choice of how to do it and, and learn from it. If it doesn't work, if it works a certain percent, then build on that. And as we think about kind of to finish resiliency and business continuity, it's about making, you know, taking those small challenges, but learning from them. To, to guide that greater plan for the organization and it's always taking those opportunities to to learn to to understand how you re, how your business is is you know flexing to it and if it doesn't work what do we need to do to help you moving forward so again i think there's a lot of a lot of things we've lived through the last kind of nine months but i think there's a lot of things that we've we've realized we can do and our prospect and our clients have realized they can do nikki
0: Thank you, David. And thank you all of you for sharing your insights today. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to watch the webinar and see our panelists, just click on the link in the podcast description. If you have any questions that we didn't cover today, you can send them our way. You can email us at marketing at peoplescout.com or you can find us on social media. Just search People Scout on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. To make sure you don't miss an episode or to hear more of our coronavirus series, visit our website and click on our Coronavirus Resource Center. We will continue to publish new resources to help you in any way that we can. You can also subscribe to our feed on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Talking Talent is a People Scout production. Music by Sound Design through Shutterstock.